With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun so winning was a dream come true chumbo casino is america's favorite free online social casino you too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes absolutely anybody could be like mary be like mary log on to chumbocasino.com and play for free now no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strelko. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Welcome in on this Wednesday edition. Hello, Adam and Mike. Greetings, Trace. I figured uh, uh, a UCF legend like Kevin Reese should kick off the show. Uh, so uh, thanks for tuning in to everybody. Trace, Mike, good to be back another week with you guys. Yeah, man. I like your background. Yeah, I see some additions over there. I see some shelves going on. Pretty yeah, sweet. studio Studio A has undergone some renovations, uh, so we're uh, slowly going to add to the uh, the background at some point there. Studio A. I like that. Yeah. Uh, We're going to talk football in just a moment, but uh, women's basketball just completed a 61-28 demolishing of SMU to advance to the championship game. We'll hear from Coach Abe in a little bit. Uh, 28 points they gave up, three quarters with single digits. Pretty impressive defense for women's basketball this season. Yeah, I mean, they just absolutely get after it on that on the defensive end of the floor. And it's uh, it's inspiring to see. You kind of wish that other teams would take that defensive mentality. I know the uh, quote you have coming up, Coach Abe talks about how you have to be balanced on both sides of the floor. But you can tell the team takes pride in locking down the other team. And I think that's – while some people may argue that's not the fun style of basketball, right, they want to see you load up a bunch of points, you got to love a team that's willing to roll up their sleeves and lock in defensively. And night in, night out, Coach Abe and the, and the women's team do that consistently and that's awesome to see you say in a lot of sports defense wins championships and that's what's about to happen here tomorrow and you know defense doesn't go in slumps when these guys it's all about heart determination hustle and that's what these girls have shown all year we're going to hear from coach abe in a little bit bj taylor will be joining us we're going to preview the men's uh run in the aac tournament perhaps run maybe they'll get more than one game in this tournament they open tomorrow that's why we're live wednesday but just around the corner starting next week 
Spring practice, we've been talking about it since the season ended with the Gasparilla Bowl victory. When would we have football again? Uh, Monday, March 14th, Coach Malzahn will talk to the media. And then first practice, Tuesday, March 15th, and of course all leading up to the spring game, Saturday, April 16th. We get our football fix for about uh, five, six weeks. Listen, it's not perfect. We get it, right? This isn't exactly what we want, right? It's glorified guys and, you know, shorts and pads running around. It's five-second video clips of a quarterback throwing the ball from the one to the two. It's not perfect. We get it. But it's the only thing we got right now. And there are some storylines that we need to monitor from a football standpoint. So it's not perfect, but except that we can get at this point, it hopefully it's a fun spring. The spring game can be a good time, too. So we're going to embrace it, although I can't wait to see Trace's uh, five-second video clips of, uh, of long snappers getting the ball back to the punter. That's going to be riveting uh, material for us here. Trace's videos are going to be key for all of us. But, Trace, please have the video facing the right way. We don't need to see a bunch no, of here we go again with this. We're going to see a bunch <laughs> of lefties out there when they're actually right. He's going to throw us all off. We're not going to win. John Rice Plumley like now left handed. I shoot the video. John Rice Plumley completes the passes and they look better. <laughs> I know, Mike, you said on the podcast this week that that's one of the things we'll be looking for. And I think, Adam, you said it right. I don't think Gus Melzon's going to let us see much of uh, anyone throwing. I, if, if I see John Rice Palmer throwing a football, something terrible has gone on. Either you have trespassed again, somebody chloroformed Dan Forsella. I don't know what it's going to be, but if I see someone throwing a, a football, especially John Rice Palmer, something, something really bad went down. You need to hide your phone somewhere inside the indoor practice facility. You just happen to have it running. I don't know. And then maybe we'll get some breaking coverage that nobody else will have. You want to get me banned, I see, from UCF <laughs> Athletics. Uh, the question I asked on Twitter this week, going into camp, what do you have the most questions about? About a third of the folks that responded said defense. Two-thirds said offense. Uh, Mary Ashbaugh, six, said both. The quarterback battle on offense, some of the positions that are thin on defense. At Ryan Patton, 82. I have questions about the O-line, wide receiver, quarterback, and depth at running back behind Bowser. Uh, Wade at 911 underscore black underscore gold. For me, it's pretty much even on both sides. Linebacker and DL on defense. Quarterback and O-line on offense. And uh, UCF underscore blue 626, he voted offense, but the single position group with the biggest question mark for that respondent is linebacker. Which way would you have voted on this? More questions about offense or more questions about defense? Yeah, I think it's got to be offense, Trace. Until we know who is going to be QB1, the most important position on the field, until you know that, it's got to be the offense. Until we have that solidified, we know if it's Plumlee and what his offensive game plan will look like. Obviously not a thrower, maybe more of a runner. Did Mikey Keene make any jumps in his game? Is Castellanos going to surprise everybody from out of nowhere? I, I think until you have QB1 settled, it's got to be the offense. No disrespect to the other positions. I think everybody else who responded is correct. But without QB1, I think it's got to be offense. I think the quarterback position is the biggest question, but I think I have more questions about the defense and how we're going to refill, restock that defensive line. Big Cat gone, Kalia Davis gone, the linebackers we already know, and the secondary. I mean, we're still waiting on guys that we haven't seen before that were uh, injured last year, guys coming up, the, the new freshmen coming in. Can they make an impact? So I think defense has more questions. Offense, obviously, with the quarterback situation is the biggest question going in. Thought you guys did a good deep dive, a bit of a primer during the podcast this week, talking about players that you're looking for. Let's start about that quarterback battle. I, I still find it hard to believe that Thomas Castellanos is going to come in and start game one, that they're going to turn to a true freshman when they have Mikey Keene and John Rice Plumley. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, Trace. I, I, I'm just laying the foundation, right? If you, if you, you take Plumley out, and I know I'm, that's a big take out right there, mm -hmm. right? 
Castellanos is the only quarterback on the roster recruited by Gus. So clearly Gus sees something in his game that says this translates to what I want to do. We've seen this scenario play out before. It's actually very eerily similar to the Dylan Gabriel freshman year. A transfer quarterback who may or may not be able to throw the football. A quarterback who stepped in and took the helm after the other quarterback got injured. And then you have a freshman kind of coming out of nowhere with a lot of hype. I'm not saying it's going to happen again. These things are sometimes lightning in a bottle. But I do think that that one's interesting to monitor. For me, Trace, the biggest position battle, um, and it's probably not as important, but maybe it is, is the backup running back spot. You know, we saw Isaiah Bowser go down a bunch, and uh, and we had some continuity on, on the running back side for Johnny Richardson and Mark Anthony Richards. But now we have RJ Harvey coming in. We have Jordan McDonald coming in. So who's going to be running back two? I want Bowser to stay healthy all year long, don't get me wrong, but if he can't go, who's that second guy in? And I think we had some inconsistency at time to time last year. I felt like Gus tried to play the hot hand and sometimes took too long to figure out who that was. So who's going to establish themselves as that second running back? I think that's going to be interesting to watch as camp goes on. Yeah, I wouldn't rule out Castellanos getting some playing time this year. I mean, we've seen it before, and we've seen what the injuries can do. Mackenzie Milton came in because Justin Holman was injured. Uh, Blake Bortles, I think it was his sophomore year, but still got a lot of playing time because Godfrey wasn't playing well early in the year. We saw what happened with Dylan Gabriel. So it's very possible if John Rice Plumley cannot throw and Mikey King gets hurt, I think we're going to have to see some of Thomas Castellanos at some point. Well, let's talk about that. John Rice Plumley and the term not able to throw, right? Gus didn't bring him here from Ole Miss so that he could, you know, moonlight over with baseball. Of course, his NCAA waiver denied, the appeal denied. So he's split in time between both, but his focus will be on football. There are going to be creative ways Coach Malzahn uses Plumley in the offense. Yeah, I said on the, on the show, too, it isn't like Gus Malzahn's system requires the quarterback to throw into really tight coverage windows, right? I mean, these are you know, these are read option checks to a back three yards away from you. So you don't necessarily need to have some sort of Patrick Mahomes level laser accuracy. To Mike's point, you can't throw it at the guy's feet either, right? So I think that's the part you have to understand about, about Plumlee. Well, I recognize I don't think he's going to be the guy who's going to be threading the needle and throwing some dimes on the outside. With what Gus wants to do, I assume his arm is, is enough to be able to make the offense move. Would Mikey have a better arm? Would Castellanos have a better arm? Maybe. But I would. I, I agree with you, Trace. I don't think Gus would bring him in if he didn't think he could execute those basics on the offense. Plumlee is definitely going to play. He's going to get a lot of playing time. Even if he can't throw, Gus is going to force him in there like he did with Joey Gatewood last year. I see him as a better version of Gatewood. So uh, he's going to get out there. But if he cannot throw accurately, I mean, we know he can throw. He played center field in baseball. He should have a decent arm, but can he throw accurately in football? I don't know. And if he can't, then that's going to make things a lot easier for the opposing defenses. And you know when he's in there, just like we knew this year when Gatewood came in, they're doing nothing but run. We saw some pictures of quarterback Mikey Keene released by UCF Athletics this week. Looks like he's hit the weight room. For you guys, what do you want to see him progress in during spring camp? Again, everybody, we're not going to get any answers. You're going to hear Coach Malzahn, his offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. They're not going to tell you much of anything, and you're not going to get much pictures. So we're not going to know a whole lot, right? But what would you like to see Mikey work on and show progress to Coach Malzahn that this is his job? 
It's going to be tough, I think, in spring practice, Trace. But I think for me, and we heard Nick Patty say this all season long with us on the show, it's you know reading the defense and making the right decision in the right moment. It felt like when he got in there, Gus really slimmed the playbook down, almost cut the field in half and said, this is your read. If it's not there, throw it away, You know, get out of bounds, do something. Can we then open that up a little bit? Is there opportunity for him to, to read the field more, go to that second, third read? Can we get a little bit more creative with some of those routes on the other end of the play? Hard to tell, I think, to to know if he's done that during spring practice. But I think that's the next step for Mikey Keene is, you know, can we open up the playbook? Can we open up the field a little bit and allow him to make plays all over the place? All right. Going through his progressions, finding the second, third receiver. We saw him do it a couple of times. That fourth down play against East Carolina is the one that stands out to me. That was about his third option on that play. But, yeah, he's going to need to do more of that. And then tuck it and run a couple of times. We saw last year in the spring game that he could run, and then we didn't really see much of it during the season, whether that was by design or not, I don't know. But he he showed a little flash here and there. He's got athletic ability to maybe run, and we saw Dylan Gabriel. He wasn't running much either uh, the season before, so maybe that's just by design. Who's going to catch these passes, right? We saw Ryan O'Keefe really emerge over the course of the season and a standout performance in the Gasparilla Bowl. Who fills the Brandon Johnson role now, though? You know, that's, that's a question going into this camp. Yeah, again, I said on the show, I think for me, the X factor on, on the receiving side is Jalen Robinson, right? A, a guy who had a really good year in 2020, uh, was a deep threat with Dylan Gabriel, was able to catch a ton of deep balls and, and, and really kind of take the top off the defense. We didn't see that a lot this year. He got injured. Ryan O'Keefe comes in and becomes an all-world playmaker. So where does Jay Flash fit in this kind of system now? You know, I don't want to assume anything about his character. He was close with Dylan. Are there any feelings with that, sort of the new emergence on 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 the quarterback side? And then you bring in a guy like Kobe Hudson from, from Auburn, uh, a good kid, a big kid who's who's got some potential. Where does Amari Johnson fit in this? You have Jordan Johnson, the, the Notre Dame transfer, uh, Deontay Marks, the Florida transfer. There's some guys out there. And Quan Lee comes in. He's a speedster. So how this receiving core comes together will be interesting. I think Jalen Robinson has, for me, some of the biggest questions. And what, what Jay Flash will we get this season? And how does he integrate into the offense? after really being out for most of the year as the sort of Mikey and and, uh, and Ryan O'Keefe kind of formed a partnership. Where does Jay Flash fit into all this? Yeah, Flash and O'Keefe on the outside have the speed, but they're not the biggest guys. You're looking at guys like Kobe Hudson, the number one receiver at Auburn last year coming over. And how about Keymore Gamble, the tight end from Florida coming over? He was their best receiver too. We add those two guys to the mix, should give uh, the quarterback, whoever it is, a little more security blanket on those third downs and plays over the middle. Again, in the poll, about a third of respondents said they were more concerned about the defense. There are some holes to fill. What I like, though, is that we now have a year with T-Will, and we saw how that defense uh, showed character and heart and and just really progressed under T-Will over the course of the season. Yeah, two things you got to like about the about the defense. One, different than the offense, continuity in the staff. No staff changes on the, on the defensive side of the ball. That's got to be huge. Uh, and so you, you definitely would uh, like that. You get a second year of, of coaching. I think linebacker was mentioned earlier by, by somebody. I think that to me was the, the other key position. You know, can uh, um, can JJB step in and be that be that lead linebacker? And ultimately, who's going to be the guy on defense? You know, Big Cat either by name or by stature took that kind of mantle last year. I think Tatum. Bethune maybe took that mantle just in terms of productivity. Who's that guy this year? Who's that one defensive stalwart that we know we can count on? It feels like every year we have that guy. If it's Shaquem, Richie Grant, Titus Davis, 
Tito Rodriguez back in the day, there's always one guy that we can say, hey, that's the leader of the defense. I don't know going in right now who that is. I'm not saying that we don't have it. Is it Devod Wilson? Is it is it JJB? Is it somebody on the line that's going to step in and, and be that guy? Is it is it Tremore Morris Brash? Who's that going to be? I think that's a huge question on defense. Where are we going to get our identity from? The thing I loved about the defense last year is it got better as the season went on. Early on, and we, we had some breakdowns against uh, Boise and Louisville. Even uh, the Cincinnati game was ugly. After that SMU game, they really locked things down. The Tulane game, we won because of the defense. East Carolina, we won because of the defense. The Cal game, we won because of the defense. So, And then they played very well against the Gators. So that, that was the biggest takeaway I had from last year. Guys really settling into uh, T-Will's system, and that should only get better this year. For you, what is the biggest one-player loss that you see? Uh, for me, at Tatum Bethune, we were kind of counting on him to be back, and now we don't have him. Yeah, I think Tatum Bethune or, um, I mean, I don't know that we count him as a loss because in theory he was going to go anyway, but I think Kalia Davis, right? Obviously he could have come back for a year. I know, uh, you know, ultimately he probably mm -hmm. wanted to, to leave to go to the NFL. I think Kalia Davis is uh, another one of those guys that he would have been just a huge, huge plug on a defensive line. Uh, so losing him and then losing Cam Good behind him, I think that that also is a, is a double whammy. So even though he was probably okay to go, I, I would say Kalia Davis. Yeah, how about Big Cat? I know he wasn't going to come back this year anyway, but he was the true leader on the defense. And teams were game planning against Big Cat. And you saw it, teams running onto the opposite, opposite side of him. And he really opened things up for the other guys. We're going to need somebody else to step up on that defensive line in his place. Of course, it all gets going next week with the uh, first practice of spring on Tuesday. We'll be talking about it not only on the podcast, but, of course, on the Sons of UCF Live when we're back on Thursday next week. But, again, we're on Wednesday this week because Ben's basketball is going on Thursday. Let's welcome in B.J. Taylor to talk to us a little bit about who's – B.J., we missed you last week. Yeah, no, I, I had a dental – with my tooth i had a root canal so i'm back good now though i'm back i couldn't talk well for like a day so that was weird but i'm good now all right you sound good well let's let's just ask you real quick about football what's your biggest question going into spring camp uh who replaces dylan gabriel now right i mean that might be the obvious question but for the past i guess what six years now you've had some pretty we've had some pretty stellar quarterback play outside of you know the end of last season um, but, I mean, with Mackenzie Milton going into Dylan Gabriel, I mean, yeah, you had some of the best in the country at that position. And I know there are options and, and certain guys that have transferred into the, to, to the team now. But, I mean, that's, those guys that are really high bar. So it's not easy footsteps anybody following and following behind, you know, Mackenzie and Dylan. Well, let's talk a little men's basketball. They were projected to be fifth. They were looking at maybe that fifth spot and getting that first round by. Of course, the uh, stumble into Lane and then the buzzer beater against Tulsa. First question for you, when you have something like that happen, the way that Tulsa game ended with the three-point shot there at the, at the buzzer, how do you recover from that, pick up the pieces, and move on in a conference tournament? Yeah, yeah, sorry, there was a delay. Um, but for, for our guys, and, 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 you know, obviously going into last week, two games to end the season on the road at Tulane and Tulsa, you know, you, you want to you, know, you want to win both going into conference tournament. You want to have that momentum. But losing to Tulane was, was a difficult one. And then losing to, to Tulsa, you know, with having a 10-point lead there with, you know, under four minutes to go, 
obviously is is challenging but you know guys you just have to turn the page right you have to turn the page you can't you know really focus on the past everybody and every coach around the country talks about there being three you know separate seasons there's your preseason which is non-conference there's your conference season and then there's your postseason which is tournament play and you know NCAA tournament play or NIT tournament play so these guys have moved into a new a new season the last latter part of their season and they're just gonna have to come together and figure out a way to you know you know kind of forget about that loss and and put together something you know headed into into fort worth all right bj i'm trying to forget about that loss too but i have two tactical questions for you so i'm like i'm gonna take two in a row sorry <laughs> so first one uh what's your perspective on ucf is up three late and they foul i know a lot of folks say that's the smart basketball play foul up three late they can go the line and earn it Obviously, unfortunately, in the second half, UCF not shooting free throws well. So, you know, there were some struggles there. What's your perspective on fouling uh, up late, uh, fouling three uh, late? Yeah, that's that's the new trend that everybody does now. Everybody fouls if you're up three points late. I mean, I've watched numerous NBA teams this season. Teams are up three with 15 seconds to go. They foul. They go down. They shoot free throws. They go back up three. They foul again. Go back up three. Foul again until there's like two seconds left in the game. So, I mean, I think it's something with the analytics and the numbers. Um, obviously, I'm not involved with that type of stuff with the analytics department. Um, as a player, you always want to be in control of the scenario as much as you can so you, you probably like to play you know certain things out instead of fouling and sort of giving the other team free points but I mean that's just where we are with sports as you know Adam I mean that's just where we are they do the same thing in football with the two-point conversions now in the third quarter and different things so if the analytics say it's a better option then I guess you know you can't argue with the numbers um, but I'm gonna tell you as a player you always want to you know have the game you know sort of be in your control as much as possible so if that means we need to just defend and play it out then you know sometimes as a player that that's what you'd want to do but whatever the coach decides you sort of you know just have to roll with it and then a little bit before that uh, on uh, a defensive play horn from Tulsa absolutely clocked and Bakke in the face which nowadays is a reviewable play, right? Anything above the head and neck you can review. Darius Perry was absolutely adamant to the referees and to Coach Dawkins that that need to be reviewed. Dawkins clearly turned to the bench and said, how many timeouts do I have? He was told he only had one, and he decided not to review the play. As a player and then as a coach, how do you handle that situation when a player is very adamant, hey, we've got to review this coach? Because co players always think they're right, right? But as a coach, you got to make the impartial decision. How, does, how do you think that should be handled when a player is that sure that something like that needs to be reviewed? Yeah, so when it comes to the reviews, for the most part, it usually has to come from the head coach or his staff saying that he saw something or they saw something very specific to challenge, right? From a player's perspective, like you said, you often get caught up in the emotion and the passion of the game, and you always feel like something went your way or something didn't go your way, even – even if you know deep down, like maybe the ball went off my fingertips or, or maybe I know I actually fouled him, but you're so caught up in the emotions, you'll even go to your own coach and be like, hey, no, we need to review that, review that. You know what I'm saying? You see guys start twirling their finger in the air all the time about stuff that was clearly not, uh, you know, not going to go their way. So I think it has to come from the coaches and the, and the assistant coaching staff. I think, you know, now when I was there, if it was if it was myself, maybe Coach Dawkins and myself, we have a relationship where it's like, hey, listen, that was that was this, you know, but I, I want you to challenge it, right? But he knew that we kind of had that, that sort of relationship and that bond where he could trust me on it. And if it didn't go all the way, he could hold me accountable for that sort of thing like the next day, like, BJ, listen, I'm not going to trust you on these calls anymore, you know. 
So I think it, it's sort of a, it has to come from the coaching staff more, more so than the player because players are so emotional and juiced up that they don't always, you know, ha- have the, the I guess the right perspective on, on calls like that. You mentioned getting that root canal last week. Glad to see you're back. But that sounds like more fun than watching these last two games that I had. I'd rather have a root canal, I think. Um, <laughs> what do you think of this team? You think it's gotten better as the season gone along or has it gotten worse? And why has it gotten worse? Because I think that's the clear answer. <laughs> the question. Sorry, we had another delay. Um, if, I, if I heard most of your question, though, you asked, do I think the team has gotten better or do I think the team has gotten worse? Correct, Mike, is that your question? Yep, yeah. that's it. Yes. Okay, okay. So if you're asking me, I think it all comes back to what were the expectations, right? So you three guys may have all had different expectations of what this season would be. You guys asked me the first time I came on, did I think that this team was a tournament team? And I told you that, well, again, it's not what they want to do or what I predict that they, they do. I think it's more so like what they actually come together and are able to do as a unit, right? I, I think one of the biggest things that has been, been sort of, interesting to watch play out this season and has kind of baffled me um, just a little bit at times is the is the discussion over the the talent that this UCF basketball team has there's been a lot of you know people will tag me in different things and see different things about this UCF team being the most talented team or, or different things like that and I me personally I never had that perspective or that view of this team um, I, I more so felt like this team had enough talent to do certain things and accomplish their goals, but I never was one to feel like this is just a team of incredible talent from top to bottom there. You know, they have this, they have that. We have good players that can do good things on this team for sure. You've got to love Darren Green's ability to shoot. And Bakke is my favorite player on the team because he's so consistent. C.J. Walker hustles, play hard, and we know what um, Darius Perry and Brandon Mahan were able to do in moments. Right. But I think it all comes back to a sort of expectation. Right. This team was picked fifth in the preseason by the coaches. And, you know, they were in fifth place until these until these last two stumbles on the road. So if you ask me my perspective on how this season has played out, I think it, it sort of has you know gone in line with what the coaches predicted in the preseason. You know, and now hopefully for these guys, they can make a tournament run here because their season isn't over. Their story isn't finished being written. But I think this is sort of, you know, gone as as the you know as the coaching as the coaches at least in the American Conference predicted. Yeah, but you don't think we played our better games early in the year? I mean, we won at Miami early, we blew out Michigan early. Even the games that we lost against Oklahoma and Auburn, Auburn was the number one team for a long time. We were right in that game until the end, and that's those are all the first month of the season. The last two months of the season has gone straight down the toilet. Well, two things: one, a loss is a loss. You lose to Auburn by 20 or you lose to Auburn by four. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, it, 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 while I played, it was always a loss, right? We didn't really take more victories. My team, uh, my year, we lost to Villanova, who was the number one team in the country by five, and that didn't really do anything for our own resume. And then secondly, the Michigan game, this UCF basketball team was losing to Michigan until the second half came around. And then the second half came around and Darren Green and Brandon Mahan got hot, as I spoke of with those moments where we've seen them sort of explode. Um, so when we were speaking on certain things, I, I think there's been a lot of moments where we've seen this team play, you know, exceptional basketball, um, but it hasn't been consistent. Like we have not seen 
top to bottom consistent performances to where it was like this was a six game stretch, right? You, you highlighted Miami, which was a one game. You highlighted Michigan, which was a one game. Um, Auburn, which was a loss, you know. So we haven't seen that consistent four, five, six games from this team throughout the season, which is what you see from the top teams in, in college basketball. You know, did these teams win five, six, seven games in a row? Let's hear from Coach Dawkins on what he thinks it's going to take to win the game Thursday. Uh, we have to defend and rebound. Uh, you know, I think in the game that they, they, they won against us down there, they were tremendous on the boards. They, they were relentless. They, they played really hard, of course, like they always do. And uh, we have to make sure we do a, a better job of keeping them off the boards, giving them second and third shot opportunities. And then they have, you know, you know, good players. We have to make sure we understand personnel well and guard guys accordingly. Unlikely to have Brandon Mahan and not likely to have Isaiah Adams either. Uh, Coach was reluctant to say that we would see him Thursday. What's the impact on this team without those guys? Yeah, well, without Brandon, definitely. Um, we've seen, again, the spark he can be for this team. When he gets it rolling, his ability to make, you know, tough, contested three-point shots, you're going to lose about 11, 12 points a game there. So guys are going to have to pick up the slack in, in other ways. But they, they have more than enough for what they need to be to beat USF. USF hasn't been very good this season. I believe they're 8-22 as a record, um, only one, maybe – two or three conference games. So th this team has enough to, to, to go ahead and, and, you know, you know, do what they need to do against USF. And then from there, you know, you're going to go on to, I believe it will be Memphis. Um, and, and I was somebody on record when I, when I was calling games, when I called the uh, ECU game, I said that I felt more comfortable with UCF's basketball team having to play uh, a first game instead of getting the bye, because that did put, the team on the side of the bracket with Memphis and SMU as opposed to Houston, because I just don't feel like this UCF basketball team is a good matchup for Houston and their, and their style of play. So I think there's an opportunity, you know, and we'll, like you said, we'll, we'll see what, what happens. All right, BJ, fill in the blank for me. If UCF is going to make a run in this tournament, blank has to play out of his mind. Wow. You want one word? Um, Blank give me a player. Give me, give me a, give me a, a skill. Give me something. Yeah. So I would say it's it's going to take Darren for sure. There's there's no run that's being made without Darren Green's three point shooting. You know he, he can obviously you know go on a streak where he makes four, five, or six threes. Um, I mean most of the games that were considered big wins this year, it, it's relative. You know it's pretty. You know kind of it coincides with Darren playing well. Memphis, Michigan. Um, Houston at home, he started off hot. So the majority of the games that, that the UCF team has been successful this year, Darren has played well. Um, but, I, I mean, that's a tough, tough question. I mean, Adam, you, you, I really get stomped with questions. But for, for me to say one thing for this UCF team to, to make a conference tournament run, it, it would probably, you know, it, it's going to take, you know, definitely Darren, you know, sort of, you know, making his shots and, and, you know, making a run as a guard because guards can, you know, carry teams in March. So he's going to have to go on a, on a huge streak. That would, that would probably play a part in it. The teams that you were on played very good defense. Well, is there something different about this team? Is it just that we don't have that taco in the middle or is there something else strategically seen going on this year that is making the difference? Is it the heart? Is the hustle? What is it? We see what the women are doing. They're shutting people down to 20 points a game. Uh, what's going on with this team defensively this year? 
Yeah. So, so to piggyback off your first point, um, Taco was obviously an exceptional player inside. I mean, you don't, I don't think I have to highlight what Taco's presence meant to this, to the, to the teams that we were on, uh, just not only his actual impact, but his ability to, to intimidate. But if you're looking at this current team, you know, you're not only looking at the personnel, you're not only looking at the talent, but you're sort of looking at the makeup of guys and, and sort of internally what drives them, right? Our team was a gritty, tough, you know, don't back down, like, how you see Memphis play now is similar to how we played. Like we wanted to be the bullies. Like we wanted to bully the bullies in the conference. Cincinnati was a tough team always, but now it was like UCF, we're going to be the tough team. We're going to bully Cincinnati and we're going to bully Houston. So, I, I mean, our hearts were in it to be that sort of team. We fully sort of bought into that. And this team's identity has just been different. The guys on this team, that's not their makeup, right? That's just not the way that 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 they've been successful in their careers playing basketball. So that's why you see them then sort of lend itself to more three-point shooting, lends itself to more perimeter shooting, um, a free-flowing up-and-down game where we were more in the trenches, you know, dog grind mentality um but it, it's definitely i wouldn't say strategically you kind of have to change your strategy you know to to mold it around the players because i mean the the coaching that that we have is the same coaching i mean the same the coaching that we had is the same coaching that they're getting right so i i can assure you of that it's just sort of how you receive it and how you're able to sort of implement what you're you're being told and, and your willingness to buy in Question asked of Darius Perry, what's it going to take to win Thursday? Let's hear from him. Uh, come out with energy and then lock me in on defense. Honestly, I feel like we're one of the better defensive teams in the country. Uh, we just tend to not close those defensive possessions out. So if we can lock in and close those possessions out and beat the team I know we can be on defense, then I don't think we're on that Darius doesn't like Mike's uh, insinuation that the defense isn't uh, one of the best in the country. But he mentioned they're coming out with energy. That's something they've struggled, especially on the road. Yeah, right. And for Darius, you know, Perry, for both of the Darius, Darius Johnson and Darius Perry being point guards and being leaders, that's something on the court that you you have a lot of impact over. You have a lot of control on how your team comes out and, and presents itself and plays from the opening tip, right? That was something that I always wanted to do as a point guard for our team while I played was – it's not only their ability to play the game and make shots and do different things, but as a point guard and a lead guard, you have to be an orchestrator. You have to be someone who's able to see how the game is going, right? So if a team comes out on a 7-0 run, then Darius Johnson, Darius Perry need to be more assertive to start games so that leads don't get away, right? Or if we see that Darren Green comes out on fire, now we can sort of, you know, lean more on him and we can do different things and maybe you don't have to be so assertive. But those two, you know, being lead guards, both the Dariuses, you know, they, they have a, a huge impact on how the team's energy comes out to start games. BJ, is there more juice in this game than that we're playing our rival? I mean, obviously, we're always up for conference tournament play, right? But is there more juice, you think, for the guys playing against the, the Cows? Uh, I mean, I would say that there should be, Adam. Um, you know, I'm always going to give you an honest answer. Uh, I say that there should be. I think because this is a neutral site game, and obviously, you know, USF, has been, you know, not just quite frankly, just haven't been very good this year. I mean, they're, they're eight and twenty-two. Their record, you know, hasn't, you know, reflected much success this season. I think it, it it can be sort of difficult to have as intense of a rivalry compared to when 
both teams are successful or even relatively successful, right? So, I mean, yeah, you got USF coming in as an 11, we're a six. So if, if the UCF basketball team comes out and performs how they should perform, should be able to take care of, of USF or as you refer to them as the, the cows, Adam, you know, I'm never going to refer to them as the cows. That's just, I just <laughs> I'm not going to disrespect them like that, but I get it. You're you're a you classier guy than we are, yeah, for sure. No, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I'm just, I just I can't call them the cows. I don't know what's what's our nickname. Like, what do they call us? Do you know the Nats? The Nats, like like the Nats, like yeah, yeah, like a Nat, yeah. I've heard that. They refer to us as, as, as C dot. So for the long time on the score bug for, for games, it was just C dot Florida. So they shortened oh. it to C dot. So we're, we're C dot in there, but I mean, there's like five or six fans anyway. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you mentioned it being a neutral site game and Adam just mentioned, they only have five fans total. We're it's the games in Texas. We're not going to have very many fans there either. How's that going to affect the atmosphere of this? Like if we come out cold, you, there's no fans to get you back into this game. How big of that factor is that going to be? Right. And Mike, I appreciate you realizing something like that, you know, like it's not going to be a packed house. So the energy has to sort of be created internally. Right. That's why I said when Adam asked about it being a rivalry game and the extra motivation when you're playing at UCF or you're playing on the road, um, you know, it, you can have more of a rivalry, you know, sort of game. But even if it's not a, a championship game, if it was UCF versus USF in the AAC championship, then I think we'd see a little more bitterness, a little bit more of a, you know, like a passion to to not only beat your rival but win a championship game. It, it's it's just a little different, you know, when it's not a a game of any meaning, right? I mean, I guess you know, it's just, it, it, not not to say of any meaning, but for for USF to you know be so you know just not that good this year it's not gonna you know it's more of a this team is in our way and we need to take care of them and we need to move on to other teams instead of it being sort of a bigger deal that you're playing USF. Uh, BJ earlier the women's basketball 25th rank beat SMU 61-28 they scored uh, 24 points off 22 turnovers they're 24 and 3 they've won 12 straight let's hear from coach Abe on the consistency of her team's defense. But every really good team in the country doesn't matter who it is men's and women's basketball defense is their staple i mean you have to play great defense to be a good really good team i mean you can't just you know let the other team score 100 points and you score 101 that's super dangerous right so i mean defensively i think it, it just we've we've kept it super consistent a lot of teams play zone a lot of teams play man a lot of t people do different things in their zones and mix it up and i think why our defense is so good is that we've kept it really the same really the same and really good three of the four quarters they held smu to single digits hats off to coach a but getting back to this championship game is not the only goal here they want to win no for sure i mean for if, if the women's team can go on to be the regular season champs and you know, conference tournament I mean, that that would just be outstanding. And like I've said before, you got to give a ton of credit to, to their team. I mean, they, those those women practice extremely hard. They come out every single day, and I mean, they they just get after it in practice. I'm, and I always say that to say because if if you watch the men's uh, men's team practice, and this isn't just men's and women's at UCF, this is 
generally around the country, right? Men's teams tend to practice a little bit more cool. Like you come in, you practice, you talk, yeah, you communicate, but the, the team camaraderie isn't the same. If you watch any really good women's team around the country and women's college basketball practice, I mean, their energy, their effort, their passion, their love for the game is on 10 the entire practice. If it's a three-hour practice, they are going. And that's what Coach Ava has done with her team. And, I mean, she's, she's spot on when she said the defense. I mean, the, her, her defense has been exceptional this entire season. She keeps it simple for her players so that they can play fast. They're not overthinking it. And, as I always speak on, you've got to have someone on the floor who is fully bought in and, and relays that message to the team. And she has that in Diamond Battles. Diamond Battles was the defensive player of the year in the American Conference, player of the year in the conference, and a unanimous first team selection. She has set a tone for the rest of her team that this is how we're going to play, this is how we're going to go. And, I mean, if, if for anybody who makes the comparisons of different UCF basketball players and wants to compare people to myself, I want to be compared to Diamond Battles. I'm just going to say that right now. We compare me to other men's players. Well, compare Diamond Battles to myself because that's that is a player that that has been exceptional and she deserves all the credit and support and accolades that she gets. All right, BJ, I don't know if you know this about us here at the Suns UCF. We are worldwide. I don't know if you know that. Uh, okay. So worldwide, actually, that we tracked down one of your former teammates from all the way across the globe. We had a chance to chat with him, and we asked him a couple of fun questions about his teammates. And uh, and your name came up a few times. I want to play this clip. There's two of them back-to-back. -back, and I want to play this clip for you and give you a chance to respond to uh, the thoughts one of your teammates had about you. All right, which of your teammates is most likely to get a speeding ticket? B.J. Taylor or Matt Williams. That's a tough one. One of those two. B.J. Taylor? He's got a, he's got a lead foot? That's he gets out of that ticket. In Orlando, he gets out of that ticket, right? Probably, he yeah. talks. He talks his way. He's the mayor yeah, of Orlando yeah, these yeah. days. He talks his way out. That's it. There's no last no one. Question. Which one of your teammates one most likely to become a coach? Oof. Oof. Dang. I would go again. BJ Taylor or, or Nick Banyard. I'd say. Um, well, I don't know if you're keeping up with BJ. He's a media star now. He's, yeah, he's no, on ESPN yeah. broadcast. He comes on with us every week. He's on iHeartRadio. I mean, he he's won't even killer. return my text messages anymore. He's he's so, he's so big time. Already. I don't yeah, know what he's he to do. He doesn't text me back either. I don't, I don't know what <laughs> oh, okay. I don't feel so bad. Then. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you want to respond. There, there's two com I mean, A, he's got you as somebody who is just tearing up the streets of Orlando. And then B, you don't return his text messages. You can respond any way you want, BJ. Well, first off, let me address that I don't respond to text messages. I respond to everybody's <laughs> text messages in a timely manner if it's if it's appropriate. Let's be honest. That's number one. Number two, um, it took him a long time to say that he thought that I could coach. So I, I need to, I probably should text him now and be like, well, why was there so much hesitation in coming around to that answer? Um, and, and number three, he brought up the driving. Listen, guys, my, 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 my history speaks for itself. I only got one speeding ticket. Okay. So listen, is it speeding? If you don't get caught, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I think it's trying to get somewhere in a timely manner, okay? Every coach I ever had said I need to do things with a sense of urgency. And I drive with a sense of urgency. That's all I'm doing. I drive with a sense of urgency. I don't mess with you, okay? I don't mess with you. 
Do you want to respond and, and tell us anything about, about Aubrey here? I mean, you've got the floor if you want to share any uh, his secrets. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to say. So Aubrey drives the Dodge Charger with with big engine and all that stuff while we were in college. So, you know, he, he felt like he had the fast car. So one time we we like I had a Nissan Altima at the time and we did a we did like a, a whole drag race down the down the 408 from downtown to UCF. Took us about seven minutes flat, but I beat it. Right. And I didn't beat him because my car was faster, but it was because I was willing to go the extra mile to win. And that's really what's bothering him inside, guys. He's mad that he <laughs> He's mad that he lost to my former Nissan Altima. I drive a Ford Mustang now, and we haven't raced those. But when we raced from downtown back to UCF, I beat him in the Altima, and I never let him live it down. So what you're seeing is the is the product of a man that's a little salty about a loss. Okay, but what he has to understand is he has to move on. It's no it's no you know shame in losing to me in anything. It just happens. <laughs> I don't feel bad about not texting you anymore because I knew you weren't going to text me back anyway. So that's one thing. And the speeding thing, I mean, you better be careful of reading some of these things on, no, on the show here. We have some cops that might be listening. That's a, that's a, no, that's a common misconception that's getting thrown around. I, I text back Trace. I text back Adam. I, Mike, you don't text me, so there's nothing to text back. Everybody gets a response. I, I, listen, listen, I'm, you know, I'm not only a former basketball player, but they say some people like to say I have certain responsibilities as like unofficial mayor. So one of those things is I have to communicate with the people. I have to communicate with my with my people and stay in touch with the streets and what's going on. So I'm always going to respond to texts. All right, I'm probably going to run for office here in a couple of years. So I need I need the people on my side. Wow, breaking news! Wow, yeah. all right. Can we put that out on that if I run for mayor, like who might vote for me just so I can get a feel. Okay. Next week's big question, Trace. Next week's big question: Would you vote for BJ for mayor? That's I like that. Hey, BJ, maybe you will join us next week to talk about the men's basketball team's four-day run through the AAC tournament and their March Madness bid, or or at least the women and and where they end up in the NCAA tournament. So we thank you for joining us again this week. We're glad to have you back. By the way, Britt uh, messaged earlier on the screen that she likes your teeth. So uh, you get a thumbs up on on, the, on teeth right there. See, BJ has pretty teeth. Great. So. Well, I'm going to tell you this. It, it wasn't cheap, my, my procedure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad that, that, that they like that. They like my Mayor Taylor. See, there we go. This is, this is the energy that we're looking for, guys, all right? <laughs> this is the energy that we're looking for, Mayor Taylor. That's, that is a slogan I can give <laughs> All right, Mayor. We appreciate right, you guys. stopping by the Sons of UCF Live this week. All right, guys. Have a good one. Your Honor. Mayor. Mayor Taylor. I like that. All right. So the women will play the winner of Houston and the cows that's going on as we were, uh, go live now. So you could have a UCF and the cows doubleheader men at seven and then possibly setting up the one versus two matchup with women, women playing very well. I don't even want to play the what if games that you guys did during your show this week on, uh, uh, you know, what happens if the men lose a second game this season to the cows, but win and they've got Memphis on Friday. And I think we know that that will be a definite challenge. Baseball's up 16 to four over Florida A&M going into the seventh uh, baseball uh, looking to move to 10 and three. They've got North Florida home Friday, Saturday, odd scheduling. They go to North Florida on Sunday 
uh, hopefully roll through these and set up Miami at home on Wednesday. Meantime, 24th ranked softball. They're out West. They beat Pacific to move to 16 and seven. They've got Fresno state Pacific, by the way, is where head coach Cindy ball Malone went to school. And uh, she commented on what it was like coaching against her alma mater. Um, you know what? Earlier this morning, I was like, yeah, it's fine. You know, we're here. It's like being back home. But when we were suited up and got on the bus to come here for the game, um, I got a little emotional, choked up because, you know, this place has been home and it, it just helped me find my identity in the sport. Um, it helped me find my love and passion for the sport. And um, it just spoke tonight, too, of like the incredible people that are here that I met and like helped me along the way. Uh, nice comments from Coach Ball Malone. Uh, they are in the Louisville Slugger Invitational after this game with Fresno State, Boston, Iowa State, Cal State Fullerton, Nebraska, Long Beach State, back home against Ohio State. And they're going to need the big bat of Jada Cody, the AAC Player of the Week. Let's open up the mailbag, see how many of these questions we can get through here in the latter half of the show. Uh, Scott S. Morrow, two bad losses in a row. While I know one was a buzzer beater, time to ask. Has Coach Dawkins lost the team, or is this the team we were always going to have this year? I tend to favor the latter. I'm going to go a little bit with neither, right? Because I don't think this is the team we envisioned being on the floor when the year started. Because we had Tony Johnson. He's not playing. We had Sean Mobley. He's not playing. Obviously, Brandon Mahan hasn't been in him for a while. So I'm going, to, I'm going to go with neither. If I had to trend one way or the other, I would probably say the – you know, this was just kind of the team we were always going to have. I think we've talked about how some of these parts, we weren't sure if they'd fit together. So I'm going to go with neither. Guys, I got to tell you, I'm having some technical difficulties. I hear everything you're saying, but everybody sounds like a chipmunk to me. I don't know how it's coming through on your end, but should I just jump off for a second and get back on? It sounds funny. I can I can understand what you're saying, but uh, yeah. Uh, did you lose the team? I don't know. I think this team just sucks. How's that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'd like to hear you say that sounding like a chipmunk. Um, at Alex Bitter 11, how can uh, men's basketball replicate what Coach Abe is doing with the women's basketball program? It seems the teams are currently trending in opposite directions. Defense, right? You heard Coach Abe there in the post-game reaction uh, from the win over us. It held them to 28 points. We have not seen consistency. You talk about it all year long with men. Nine and nine overall in conference play, right? They split with Tulane. They split with Memphis. They split with the Cows. They split with Tulsa. Inconsistent. Which team shows up? If it's the team that plays well, they can make a good run in this tournament. If not, they could be out on Thursday. It's hard to do the show when Mike's laughing at you as you talk because you sound like a chipmunk. But I will say that I think defense is one commitment there. But two, I think potentially recruiting to the needs of the team. You know, and if we need defensive stoppers, we need guys to play the middle, we need point guard shooters, whatever. I think recruiting to the needs of what your team has would also be interesting. You know, we've got a ton of guys who like to jack up threes. You know, all those two guys together probably don't always match. So I'm going to say recruit to the needs of your team. I think it's most likely we're going to see a combination of both the versions of this team. We'll probably have a game tomorrow night where we shoot the lights out against a bad Cows team. And then we'll come back the next day and get our doors blown off by Memphis. And we'll get a little bit of everything in two days. In the platform we use to go live uh, with these shows, we have an internal messaging system. And my favorite message so far since we've been doing this for years for Mike, does everyone sound like a chipmunk? It's a question <laughs> that he's asked of us. <laughs> uh, I love that. At JP Gilbert, always good with a question. Uh, if you're AD for a day, which current sport other than football are you investing the most resources in to become and remain a nationally prominent program? Women's basketball, softball, baseball, men's basketball. I tried to clarify, does it have to be one? He says it has to be one. I believe men's basketball has the 
biggest challenge ahead of it moving into the Big 12. We know the quality of Big 12 uh, basketball. I would dump all those available resources into making men's basketball competitive in the future Big 12. Yeah, I think men's basketball gives you the most eyeballs, has the biggest uh, uh, potential return on investment. But I'm going to go with I'm going to go with softball here. And here's why I'd like to just be the dominant program in uh, in, in one sport. Just the, the the hands down best ever. No one touches this program in any one sport. I'm going to go with ladies softball. And not that there's men's softball, I guess. I'll go with softball because, I mean, clearly, I think they're a program on the rise. And imagine if we were the number one team year in and year out at softball. That'd be really cool. So I'll go softball just to go off the board. And I don't know what, uh, what, what Chipmunk Mike's going to go with here. <laughs> the question doesn't say how much money we're putting towards one sport. So uh, if it's only the money that we have, Obviously, all the money we have is not enough to make the basketball team that much better or as good as we need it to be. So if you put it all towards a sport like baseball or, or even softball, like Adam said, that may be enough to make that a powerhouse. Elo will like that answer. Elo, if you're watching now, feel free to comment. Lauren, thanks for your comment. Mike, I don't know if you saw it. She'd like to hear the show the way you're hearing it through the, uh, the chipmunk uh, audio. Uh, UCF Go Cubs Go on Twitter. In the absence of a significant financial investment, what is a realistic ceiling for men's basketball as they prep for the Big 12? Uh, the Big 12 will put in, what, seven, eight teams in March Madness? If UCF could get into one of those spots, uh, it'd, be, uh, it'd be a victory. Yeah, I think bottom third is where I'd say. Here, just a, a quick little rundown on the Big 12. Baylor and Kansas, both top Big 12 conference play 14 and 4. Six teams alone are under 500. So you can tell there's a ton of competition. An Oklahoma Sooner team that came to Orlando and beat us in a pretty good game, they're only 7 and 11 in conference. And we we obviously had our, our struggles with them. So I think you're looking at bottom third of the conference. Don't forget, we're also bringing Houston with us, who is pretty good. BYU is 22 and 10 this year. Uh, Cincinnati is probably not doing fantastic, but I think we're bottom third of the conference as it stands right now. I would just say on that Oklahoma, that was right at the end. Wasn't that the game you were at? Yeah. That was like an 85-82 game. They played pretty pretty well in that game, though. Yep. Lauren, I highly recommend if you have to, you put this on 2.0 speed, and you'll hear exactly what I'm experiencing right now. It's great. And if you want a real kick, go back and listen to the old George O'Leary interview and slow it down to 0.5 speed. That's hilarious. But uh, the, the ceiling for this basketball team in the Big 12 is probably last place, especially when you look at – if everybody's talking about how money is a wow, factor, nice. we're going to be so much further back in money between all these other Big 12 schools. It's not even going to be close. At uh, Patrick Nurse, FTW, and I like that we got some uh, new folks asking questions this week. Which women's sport could most use a financial slash fan boost? I think that's women's basketball. You see the quality of play that they've had all during Coach Abe's run, but all the people that chirp on social media about how that program, you know, that should be the model program at UCF, they don't necessarily show that in terms of support coming out to the arena. That's the program that could use the boost financially and from fan support. Yeah, that's that's probably the right answer, right? Because obviously they're they're a program. They're about to be conference champions again after win, winning the regular season. They're going to go to the postseason. You know, they're going to hopefully make some noise in the postseason as a top three or four seed in, in a bracket someplace. So that's probably the the team. The other team, I guess, I would say just to go a little contrarian, I would also go with um, volleyball. I think that's a team that's that's been really consistent. I know I can hear PJ uh, or JP Gilbert in my ear right now saying do it in the playoffs, but that's a team that's been consistent. They did. They did that in the playoffs. They, they, they had a run. 
Didn't mean to offend anybody, but I, I I think that's another team that I'd love to see us find a way to uh, to get behind a little bit more. I think volleyball can be a fun sport, uh, and it's uh, it's it's one of the early season things too. So kind of holds you over uh, as the, as the year turns around. That financial boost, we're gonna need it for women's basketball if we're going to keep Coach Abe because teams are gonna be coming after her now, seeing the success she's had. So we're gonna need to pay this woman, or else she's probably gonna be gone in a year or two. At the CMAS 14, how much do you think UCF, Houston, Cincinnati will collaborate together on an AAC exit plan, regardless of leaving in 23 or 24? I don't know that they they do. I think they all say, Mike Oresco, you want how much money for us to get out early? No, we're not doing that. I mean, come on. Did you see these numbers floating? 35 million, 45 million? He's kidding himself. Yeah, he should be wearing a ski mask and uh, and have a gun in his hand at this point, right? But I think you know I don't know how much collaboration would go into because all the schools are in different are different situations in terms of how much money they maybe want to pay. Maybe UCF only wants to pay fifteen to get out, but Houston, which has some deep pockets, is willing to pay twenty five. So I think it'd be hard to get everybody unified from that standpoint. I'm, I imagine they're all unified to your point, Trace, of being like uh, Mike Oresco needs to you know needs to lay off some of the Prozac or something. But from this <laughs> point, I don't think they're going to all band together because I think they're all in unique situations and it's going to be hard to find one common ground other than we need to get the hell out of here yeah if you got somebody like tillman Fertita in houston and he doesn't care about dropping 25 million maybe if i'm him i say yeah houston let's join the big 12 today and i'll pay for it and then we'll have a leg up on ucf and cincinnati and byu when they jump in you know you bring up an interesting point mike we hadn't i hadn't thought about one could go or two could go and the other could be left behind uh, for another year because they don't want to pay that money and you're right it would be a tillman Fertita that really is what UCF is lacking is that kind of big dollar donor that would drop money like that. I think that's a good point. Uh, Brian W. Peterson, a regular uh, on our question to mailbag. By the way, he got chastised online a couple weeks ago for why do, why does he ask so many questions? And then he took a week off, but I'm glad to have Brian back with the questions. He asks us to do what you do so well, reckless, recklessly speculate about what we might see in terms of new Nike UCF football uniforms. Will it be a steep departure from... 2016 to 2021 or just a minor refresh and then he advises me to uh, cover my ears maybe more canaveral blue for the space game i want a minor minor refresh i think if you look at the different uniforms nike's been doing lately i don't think you're seeing anything outside of the you know realm of possibility i think oregon obviously is always an outlier so i don't think you're going to see anything um maybe a canaveral blue sort of uh i don't know uh, alternate color situation you know a, a striping on a pant or you know something from a shoe or something like that uh but i i said this on the show i want to bring back the joust so you can see this cup here the old joust find a way to work the joust back into things i think the joust was cool uh, nice little cutout there. So I know we've got the Pegasus on the shoulder. We got the Nitro head. They got that little four-point star thing they're doing nowadays. I'm not sure if that makes a comeback, but give me the joust in some form or fashion. Yeah, how about for the space game? We got just straight up astronaut helmets. You know, like a clear bubble, and we, we see everybody's <laughs> head through the thing. How's that? Is that reckless enough for you guys? Are yeah, astronaut the- helmets clear? <laughs> I don't think they're clear. Are they? I don't understand what the chip note just said. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we will wrap up with the uh, the Knight Elorian asking uh, what has been my favorite place to trespass. You know, I don't know that I look at any of this as trespassing. I got to be honest with you. Uh, you know, if you can just walk into these venues, is it trespassing? Uh, so I don't. Uh, but Mike, yeah, you're trying yeah. to tout some sort of. By the way, uh, on the show, you were mentioning uh, walk and talks. Your favorite walk and talks. I'd say walking with Sammy uh, was was probably my favorite uh, cameo. 
Yeah, you need to give me a, the top four number one seeds of your walk and talks, and we're going to figure out this whole bracket, and people can vote on it as the mm -hmm. uh, March Madness tournament goes on. I don't even know that I have that video. Wouldn't you need to show video for people to be able to remember what they were? Exactly. Yeah, they're all on your uh, Twitter page. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure we can go back and gather them all up. By the way, I like the new open on the podcast. And Mike, you're talking about doubling things from 30 to 50. I liked it. Uh, I like what <laughs> you did there. Uh, uh, conveniently cut off the clip right, right before I said 60. I, you know, I was <laughs> estimating 50, 60. Uh, Adam, you, had, I guess. you had the prop up earlier. Remind yeah. folks, we're, we got some traction there for a couple of days, uh, folks subscribing to the YouTube channel, but we got a long way to go. Yeah, we're trying to get, don't go anywhere, we're trying to get to 450 on our YouTube channel. I'm, I'm going to you know re, uh, redo the set here. And uh, we'll give out a, uh, a mug here, a, a Yeti, uh, either the big or the uh, the smaller size, to one of our uh, follower subscribers on YouTube. So once we get to 450, we're going to randomize that thing. And one of you lucky people out there is going to get one of these beautiful things. They are fantastic. Um, and Elo is in the comments right now, by the way, Elo. Uh, I think he's quite mad at you, Trace. Uh, but anyway, get to, uh, get to our, our YouTube channel, subscribe, and you will uh, potentially win one of these, uh, one of these mugs. Elo wants top four. <laughs> the prizes keep getting better and better. I mean, we went from the hats, and now we got these, these uh, nice, uh, what do you call them? I, Tumblers. Mugs. Mugs, sure. or whatever they are <laughs> and who knows what the prize will be by the time we get to a thousand subscribers we may have some very good prizes and by the way don't we owe missy mcawesome an appearance on the show didn't she win a prize we do. does she not want to come on we do we do owe her i don't an blame appearance. her uh, uh I, we, I maybe when you're on vacation pick them. maybe you're when you're on vacation we'll uh we'll invite her on there you go there you go i don't blame i don't i don't i don't blame her all right so, bj taylor looks like he wants to host Final predictions, guys. Uh, men uh, basketball versus the cows Thursday. Winner? I want to say yes. I feel like we can beat the cows. We're better than they are. Uh, we should be able to pull this off. Uh, but if you ask me to bet any amount of money that was significant to me, I would not want to do it. But I, I, on paper, my head says we are a better team than the cows. So put me down for a check mark, but put it in pencil. Yeah, I said it on the podcast. If this game gets down to the last five minutes and it's close, I am not feeling good about it at all. So we'll see. These guys beat us up pretty good one time. We beat them up pretty good one time. It's the rubber match. Anything goes. Um, but unless about four or five other teams don't make it to Texas because of gas prices, I don't think we have any chance getting past Friday night. So. I agree with you, Mike. Uh, no lead is safe. We saw them up big uh, against Tulsa and let that dwindle down until they found a way to lose it. So I agree with you. No lead is safe. And if they're in a dogfight there in the last couple of minutes, uh, my confidence will not be high. Women, though, I feel good about no matter who they play, uh, the Cows or Houston, that they're going to win and, and get a pretty good seating in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, nice back-to-back -back Thursday, right? Seven o'clock tip for the men and a nine o'clock tip for the ladies team. So nice back-to-back -back Thursday. It'd be great if it's a doubleheader against the cows and we sweep that. Uh, uh, those count for war and I-4 points, yes? I don't know. Cosseg Advisor, if you're watching, let us know or let us know online on social media. Does this count towards the war on I-4? I, I don't think so, but I'm not sure. Okay. Either way, but nice clean sweep against our uh, our little brother to the to the west there. So we'll we'll take that. Uh, any day of the week. So a nice, fun Thursday night. Nothing else going on Thursday, right? Just might as well watch some hoops games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, beat up on the cows two times. That'd be nice. I, I hope the, the women's cows get there so we can beat them too. <laughs> the <women's laughs> cows. 
we hope to be back with you next Thursday, talking about the first week of spring camp. I'm Trey Strelko for Adam and Mike, Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. Go Knights. <laughs> don't even. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.